The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Matthew. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's holy word? From Matthew, the fifth chapter, this is part of uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Listen, my friends, to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A different way of understanding revenge. I don't know about you, but for me, this is one of those passages that every time it comes up, I say to myself, I wish that wasn't in there. <laughs> it's a hard saying. Revenge, getting even, settling the score, payback, or as one of my friends likes to say, assisting karma. <laughs> there is something that is frighteningly appealing to us about the idea of revenge, isn't there? As I worked on this sermon and struggled with this very difficult passage, I couldn't help but think of all the hundreds of novels that I've read and loved that were all about revenge. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think of all the movies I'd watched and had loved that were all about revenge. There seems to be deep down in us a desire to get revenge on those who have wronged us. The problem is we can let that take over our life. And then that's what people perceive us to be. I heard a preacher say of a parishioner one time, the only exercise they get is carrying a grudge. I don't want to be that person, do you? When I was a young uh, pastor, uh, I had an experience in my church where I felt that I'd been done wrong by just a few people in the church. And I let it get to me. I let it get to me. And uh, soon, well first let me say this, it couldn't have been a very big deal that they did because I can't remember for the life of me what it was. But what I do remember is what I let my thoughts do to me. I became so focused on those few who had done something that they became the only people in that, that loving, wonderful congregation that I saw or that I heard or that I thought about. It changed me and it bothered me. And so I went as I often did, to go talk to my daddy. 
this was just a year or so before he passed away and I am so grateful that I had this opportunity. I went to see my dad and as always he listened patiently as I told my story and when I stopped to take a breath he said, son, you need to realize something. And I said, what's that? And he says, those people you're just talking about, I can promise you they've not spent one minute of their life thinking about you. <laughs> I said, what? And he goes, they didn't. They aren't. They did what they did for whatever reasons, right or wrong, and they haven't given it another thought. But, he said, they're not your problem anymore. You've become your own problem. You are missing out on all the things you love about your work. You're missing out on all the joy you have in ministry by your obsession with revenge. I did not like that advice one bit. And he said, just do your work, be yourself, trust. I look back at this point in my life now and never could have imagined that that experience happened to me and my father was there to help me and prepare me for things that would come in life long after he was gone. I don't know how my dad got to be so wise, but he was. And a lot of wise people besides Harold have written a lot of really interesting things about revenge and about retaliation. Marcus Aurelius wrote, the best revenge is to be unlike him who performed the injury. Sir Walter Scott wrote this. This is so Walter Scott. Revenge, the sweetest morsel to the mouth that ever was cooked in hell. And of course the best insight into the power of the need for revenge in our life was in Gandhi's words. An eye for an eye will only make the whole world blind. In our text, which is taken from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is making the point, as he does throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that the law is the starting point. That you keep the law by living above and beyond what the law points us to. Now when we hear that phrase in that passage, Jesus says, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye, we're appalled, aren't we? An eye for an eye? But in Jesus' day, that law was a huge step forward for the human family. Until these laws began to come into play that limited revenge, there was limitless revenge. You have an accident and lose an eye, you killed the person. You had an accident and chipped a tooth, you killed 
a family. And so this law that sounds so barbaric to us, an eye for an eye, was actually a huge step forward. Jesus affirms that, but then Jesus says, but I'm calling you to be different. I'm calling you as hard as it might be to live in such a way that you don't seek retaliation or revenge at all. I don't know about you, but that's hard. But Jesus knew that if we fall prey to that, that ultimately it hurts us. And ultimately it hurts our relationship with each other. And ultimately it hurts our relationship with God. It is a strange, challenging text. The first three uh, Scenarios in that brief text are all scenarios where we are victimized by someone else. Someone walks up and slaps you on the right cheek. Matthew is very specific. The right side, which would indicate a backhand. More insult than injury, but still. <laughs> and Jesus says, don't swing back, just offer the left side. The next one, we're in court and someone is so bent on destroying us that they're suing us, literally taking the shirt off our back. Jesus says, well then give them your cloak, the only thing you own that legally couldn't be taken from you in Jesus' day. Give that to them as well. And then that third one, where a Roman soldier with a heavy pack on his back stops an occupied person, right? And takes off his pack and says, carry that for me. They could make you do that for a mile. Jesus says, when they do, just take it all the way to the house for them. Wow. That's crazy talk to our ears, isn't it? But maybe a clue to understanding what Jesus is trying to get to is found at the very end of that passage where there is a quick dramatic change and all of a sudden we're the people who are in power. Did you notice that? Jesus says, when anybody asks of you, begs of you, give. If anybody asks to borrow from you, borrow. I think Jesus is saying that the danger of being a person who seeks revenge is that it affects our heart in a way that we can no longer have a capacity for compassion. Shannon Alder writes, Anger, resentment, and jealousy doesn't change the heart of others. It only changes ours. I think that's what Jesus is getting to. When we live for the purpose of revenge, we think only of ourselves. And when we live like that, we do not hear the cry of the needy or the pain of our neighbor or the laughter of joy that surrounds our life in so many other ways. And I think Jesus is telling us, if we don't watch it, we can become the people who slap and take the shirt 
and force people to serve us. Jesus calls us to be different. And if we commit ourselves to this kind of crazy, extremely compassionate life, violence will decrease and anger will subside and hatred will be diminished, at least in our own hearts. And that's the way change always comes, isn't it? Little by little, the kingdom comes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.